we are grateful that, that God did come because he loves us. And so as we celebrate this Advent season, uh, we celebrate uh, his coming. And as we celebrate his coming, we also celebrate with anticipation his coming again. Uh, we do believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in power and majesty. And he's going to come with power and authority. And knowing that he's going to come in power and authority uh, allows us to to speak and, and celebrate and worship him before how he first came to get us ready for him to come back again. Uh, since he's coming back again, he, he wants to take us with him. And so uh, he had to come to set us free. Uh, and so we're going to talk about how we have joy in his presence, to, to be in his presence, to have liberty uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, the text tells us. There is liberty. The text also tells us that who the Son sets free is free indeed. So let's turn to our God. Lord, we ask you right now, bless us, guide us deeper into your presence. As we open our hearts to receive, Lord, your word, we pray that we might see Jesus. Help us right now, Holy Spirit. May we hear your voice. Fill, Lord, this vessel with preaching power, with purpose and conviction for your glory, that all that will be said and be done will be for the advocation of your kingdom, we pray. Amen. So when, as we're talking about joy, one thing about joy is that we oftentimes uh, hear about people having joy, uh, but yet joy is different than happiness. Uh, happiness is is how we base on what's happening. Uh, any anybody understand that you can be happy on any day, because things are going your way. Uh, and so, but that happiness is based on if it's going your way. Any anybody gone to a sporting event and you are happy at the beginning of the game, but maybe by the end of the game you're not as happy because things didn't go your way. And so that's how happiness works out. But yet joy is something different. Uh, joy is regardless of what is happening. I have a sense of contentment, a sense of rejoicing within me. And so basically it's kind of different, though, to like a starter playing in the game to a bench player. A starter is happy when things go in their way. A bench player just got joy. I'm on the team. I've been the bench player, so I know that joy. I, I'm dressing. Right? Mom and dad came to every game, just hoping his son might get some minutes. And, and so they came, and the, the beautiful thing is that one, one football game I played too. Now, y'all look at me, right? Y'all look at me, look at me. I, I ain't big, but I did play football. And we have to play one team that wasn't as good as they should have been. I got in the game. I got one handoff. Took it to the house. Boy, that tape got ran out in college. I told everybody, boy, you didn't play no football. Yes, I did. I got proof. See, I had joy just to be on the team. Everybody else, you know, was happy things going. But, yeah, I had joy. I, I made the team. I'm on. I was good for the rest of the season. I, think, I, I don't think I saw much field after that. But I had joy. But other people, they were disappointed because they didn't get playing time. They're not happy because things weren't going their way. I started to practice every day. I got joy. I'm on the team. 
there's a difference in the situation that if you're based on your situation to determine your happiness instead of basing on who your relationship is with God. See, our relationship with God lets us know that everything is going to be all right. How do I know everything is going to be all right? Well, the Bible tells us that this earth is going to be destroyed. So stop trying to hold on to stuff that's going to be destroyed. See, sometimes in our lives we get stressed out on things that we cannot control. The stressful things that happen in our life hinder us and hurt us. And so in order to remove some of the stress in our lives, we've got to learn to let go. Tell you that we learn to let go. So we encounter stress in different ways in our life. Some studies express that the more the stressful the event, the higher likelihood of illness in your life. Anybody understand that how some people have heart issues, right? So they try to remove stress from their life. Because the greater the stress, the more heart issues they're going to have. Those who have high blood sugar, high blood pressure, right, they try to remove stress. And so they tell you some things, what, maybe you need to change your diet, change the way you exercise. They encourage you to walk more. They encourage you to eat healthier, not putting on additional salts and sugar, different things that might increase the likeliness of illness besides stressful situations. Notice that God did not say remove yourself from stressful situations because some stressful situations you just cannot remove yourself from. Anybody got a stressful job? Some of y'all, 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 y'all deal with it so much, y'all don't know it's stressful anymore. Y'all like, I don't deal with it. But, but some of you dealing with high stress. Well, you are dealing in a social field. That's high stress because you got other people depending on you to get the job done. If you are a nurse, that's a high stress job because life is in your hands. You dealing in social agency, dealing with people, clients that are in need of assistance. That's stress because they're depending on you to get the job done. That's high stress. That's why, uh, you know, high pilots are stressful. Because why? People are depending on them. Pilot traffic is stressful. Social workers are stressful jobs. Surgeon is a stressful job. So sometimes this, just the situation that we're in the hospital, so how do we manage that stress determines. But yet, here's some other things, too, that impacts our stress. Is that uh, we have life issues or life events that cause high stress. There's a 10 that lifted. I'm going to read them in reverse order. Uh, things that cause high stress. Uh, According to the study, it says retirement causes stress. Marital reconciliation causes stress. Number eight, dismissal from work causes stress. Number seven, marriage causes stress. Personal injury or illness causes stress. Number five, death of a close family member causes stress. Number four, imprisonment causes stress. Number three, marital separation causes stress. Number two, divorce causes stress. And the number one is the death of a spouse or a child causes stress. And so notice in many of these situations, right, marriage is impacted here, right? Whether it be a marital separation, whether it be getting married, or is going through a divorce, or uh, issues of causing stress. What I want to highlight is that many times our stressors is basically depending on people that we have relationships with. If I lose my job, then that impacts my family as well, too. So that's stress. How am I going to put food on the table? I want you to understand, many of these stressful things are built on relationships and the fractures thereof. So why am I talking about these stressful situations? Well, the character we want to talk about, John, is in a stressful situation. The Bible tells us that he's in prison. 
Uh, y'all see, that's in the top five of being an situation. And, and so here it is. He's in prison. And, and some studies show that the stress does not hit when someone's in prison in modern time until they hear that door close behind them. And so as soon as you hear the all of a sudden the depression, the stress hits. And here's a situation that John is now in this jail for preaching Christ, teaching Christ, and calling Herod who he is, a, a, a sinner who needs to be changed because he married his brother's sister. Y'all quiet on me. And so John calls him out. He's in prison, and, and now he understands he might not be getting out. And so I, I, I had a purpose. I had a purpose to prepare the way for the Messiah. But now I cannot do this, so I'm wondering, the one I'm hearing about, is that the one? Anybody here ever been stressed out that now you start doubting the stuff you first believed? You're quiet on me. That when you get stressed out that things that look good don't always seem as good as they used to be. Now you, you're not as optimistic as you used to be. Now you have a little bit more doubt and, and the wondering about the situation. So here it is that John is trying to find some hope, some joy in the midst of his imprisonment. He's understanding I'm here, but yet if I can hear some good news, my situation won't be as bad as it looks. If I can hear, is he the one that we've been waiting for? Y'all, y'all see that there in the text? Number two, verse two. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? See, John was in a dark time and the prison is stretched out and wondering, is this the one? I'm hearing a lot of good things. Now, now notice that how he's in prison, yet he has some friends that came by to check on him. It's good to know you got people that love you, that no matter how down you are, they're going to come and check on you. Now, now this is before you can send emails. Uh, and you know, now back in the day, people could write pretty. Now you can send emails to those inmates because they can go in and, and, and email you back their status, what's going on. Now, you know, they can also call and, and all the situations. But no, John don't have a, a phone call. He don't have any visitations. He's locked and confined. They got to go to him. And tell him what's going on. So you can imagine the visitations coming. They're reporting to him, hey, the Messiah is doing this. The Messiah is doing that. I, I think he might be the one that you've been waiting for. John was in need of some good news. Anybody been down before? That you're in need of some good news. You want them to tell you something that's going to inspire you, that's going to encourage you, to help motivate you to keep on on this journey. Anybody been somewhere before and someone just patted you on your back? You're like, thank you. And just, just that little pat on the back or somebody's happy to give you a hug at the right moment, at the right time. You're like, man, I, I needed that. Just when someone can give you some words of encouragement, just when you're about to give up, you're about to give in. You can keep on going. So... Notice what they say here. Are you the expected one? Another way to look at it is, are you the coming one? The Old Testament in Malachi, the third chapter, verse 1 says, Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's army. 
The Old Testament is speaking of there's one that's coming, but yet before the one that's coming, there's one that's preparing the way. That's referring to John the Baptist who's preparing the way for Jesus who's coming for his people. Even in the Psalms, they're talking about blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Psalm 118 verses 26, that same psalm is echoed when Jesus comes on Palm Sunday. Hosanna and I. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, we're talking and celebrating his advent, the understanding that there's one that's going to come. Are you the one? Even in the Revelation, in John's letter to the church, uh, Jesus expresses himself this way. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end says the Lord God, I am the one who is, who was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. So you understand that he is pointing out the coming one is another identifier, labeler of the Messiah, of the Christ, of the one to come. And so here in Revelation, he says, I'm the one who still is to come, who, who has already came. Oh, praise God. That's, that's, a, that's the thing about God being omnipresent, that he's the same God today he was yesterday. That's, that's, it's a beautiful thing when you think about this for a moment. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, this wasn't in my sermon notes, but I just got excited thinking about this, that, that this is how God is, that we operate in time. And so, therefore, we are always moving forward, can never move back. But yet God, the past and the present and the future is the same to him. It just blows my mind to think about it. Hey, think about it. Yesterday was your past, and regardless of what you do today, you cannot change what happened back then. And part of that day, you already forgotten because you can't remember half the things. But yet God's detail is so omniscient and so all-knowing that he understands every particle part of your life. The Bible tells us, Jesus says that he knows the very numbers of your head. He knows when the sparrow fall. Will he not know about you? Somebody ought to just say, amen, thank you, God. But when you start thinking about how God can keep track of a billion people, watch out, somebody. If he can keep track of us, that's some good news. That he loves us that much, he's concerned about us, that he's understand that not only did he come in the past to redeem us, but he's present with us now, and soon he's coming back again so we can be in a new heaven and a new earth, the coming one. And so when you understand that the coming one, he's expecting, saying, I'm expecting the Messiah, I'm expecting the Christ, I'm expecting of his presence. So how do I know he's here? Anybody have a family member you know when they come to your house? You, you know when they're here? You, it's, it's, it, it might be the, the clothes they wear and, and how they smell. It might be how they, they, they may sit around in certain areas and mess it up because that's their spot that they go to. I know that my, my Uncle Tommy knew when I came to his house because I went into the study to play with all his toys. They weren't toys, though. <laughs> they were tools. <laughs> but I went all the way over there to play with them. So he knew Sam's in the house somewhere, right? You can understand when someone shows up in your house, there's presence there. Then, then no, sometimes you know when there's a stranger in your house. You're like, I don't know you. Who, who are you? And, then, and your friends or your children let you know that somebody's in the house. Because you can tell, like, they're in a place they should not be. But here it is that they want to know, how do we know he's here? How do we know he's present? Are you the one? Are you the one that we're expecting? Are you the coming one? Or should we what? Expect another. 
And so here it is that he's pointing out the evidence of the coming one. So he points out to them, all right, you got questions. Jesus told them, go back to John to tell him what you what? Have heard and seen. What have they heard and seen? The blind see, the lame walk, leprosy healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached. I want to start where he ended. The good news is preached. Look at verse 1 of chapter 11. Notice his itinerary is for him to go and preach and to teach. But the byproduct of the gospel is that every time he's preaching and he's teaching, healing is happening got a few amens hopefully get a few more coming on because notice that it wasn't peace that i'm going to heal and raise the dead no i'm going to preach and to teach and because of his presence people understand where he is there i want to be and so every time they came to his preaching and his teaching they said that you look in the gospels they brought the lame they brought the the deaf they brought the palsy they brought people with leprosy they brought people demon possessed saying that he's if he get in his presence things might change that's how the story got about the woman with the issue of blood if i can just touch the hem of his garment. That, that's why they're understanding that, Lord, if I could just get around you, get in your presence, uh, the atmosphere changes because in your presence there's power, there's healing. But yet notice the presence and the power comes from his preaching and his teaching. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is the word. And so when you understand that the living word is speaking word, that every time he speaks, he gives life. So Jesus' preaching brings joy. Notice that John is looking for some good news. Y'all notice it. And so he says, go and find out, is he the one or respecting another one? And so he's going, he wants to hear good news. Anybody here want to hear good news? And so Jesus, who is the subject of the good news, gives the good news. And, and here it is that I can understand how John's disciples are getting excited when he says, well, just tell them what you have seen. Now, for us, this may not mean very much to us as it does to them because they had the Old Testament that we call the Old Testament memorized. So they would recall this coming from Isaiah, the 61st chapter, about the coming of the Lord. And so them hearing this is sort of like you ever heard your favorite lyric of your song. You're like, I know where that came from. I, I know that. I know that. I know that. And so here it is when he tells them this, they're saying that this is fulfillment of the prophecy, the coming of the Lord. And in, in one of the Gospels, it says Jesus read this in their presence and said, this is being fulfilled in your ears. And so here it is. The message goes forth. Jesus is preaching to bring joy. Now, remember the ten stressful events? See, Jesus' presence speaks life into these stressful times. Jesus' presence can help you overcome these stressors in your life. Jesus' word is able to raise the dead, to restore a person from injury or illness, and Jesus' teaching of marriage and against divorce will save a family. Jesus' life and his life teaching demonstrates the difficulty of living in this sin-sick world. For living for the Lord will not come without persecution and attacks of the enemy. And that's why Jesus was teaching and preaching. Notice again, verse 11 says, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions... 
If you look early in the earlier chapter, he was speaking and people were being healed and he was chastising and encouraging and admonishing and letting everybody know that what he was teaching. So after gospel moved from that moment of teaching, he's going to another place of preaching and teaching, but understanding this, that he's been giving truth up to this point. Matthew opens up talking about the Beatitudes. He's talking about how we ought to love one another, turn the other cheek. He's talking about how he, God hates divorce and he loves marriage. He's talking about how we ought to not judge one another and forgive one another. He's giving our powerful proof and truth that we must walk out, act out, and live out in our life. He's pointing out that it's hard in this world that you can do these things, but yet by my grace, by my power, by my strength, I'm letting you know that it is possible for you to be holy for your God in heaven is holy. So if you just trust my word, you're going to find power to help you overcome some of those stresses in your life that when everybody else is giving up, you're going to say, I'm going to hold on. To God's unchanging hand. I'm, I'm going to keep on pressing, understanding I, I have no reason to give up because he never gives up. So I'm going to rest and trust him. And that's why Jesus is encouraging us to have his word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against him. So we can understand how we can walk with him, talk with him. And he reminds us that you are my own, that you are my children. Emmanuel means God is with us. And so that's why he's going around letting everybody know the king is here. Preaching the kingdom is at hand. And so here's the power. Psalms 19.8 reminds us that the commandments of the Lord are right and bring joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. You understand the enemy wants to discourage you and attack you. But here's the problem that we must, we must address. That when the enemy is attacking us, we should not be attacking other people. Let me help you out. The other people are not your enemy. The enemy's in the room, but he's not the person in front of you. I hope I help with somebody today. We oftentimes attack people who are bare image of God, not realize it's the enemy that wants us to turn against one another. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So if I can get you to be part of my team, as the enemy is saying, to attack that person, we win. But yet you're going to lose. Because God tells us to love. Y'all quiet on me. I hurt somebody today. See, see, when you love somebody, you won't attack them. You won't discourage them. You won't knock them down. You'll build them up. You'll encourage them. When you love somebody, you know how to forgive and be patient and be kind towards them. When you love somebody, you don't point out their faults. You point out their greatness. You point out how great they are. You point how good they are. When you love somebody, you don't look how you can destroy them, but you look how you can add on to them. And so here's the challenge of the enemy that we have to give to the enemy. Let them know that I'm going to love whoever I meet. And that what the commandment gave us, love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, when, when I love you, then it, it'll be hard for me to, to file for divorce when I love you. Y'all quiet on me. See, see, see if, if God so loved the world, he left us behind. That's not what the text says, does it? It says, for God so loved the world, he gave. Because he loves us, he realized I'd rather be with you than separated from you. 
even though you got mess, you got garbage, you got baggage, I'm still going to let you get on my flight. Y'all quiet on me. Some of y'all haven't been traveling lately. You understand that? You got some stuff. They're going to let you know. You can get on this plane, but that stuff got to stay behind. Watch out, somebody. I, 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 I've been there before. Anybody been You've been thirsty and you just had your bottle of water. They so said, you got to dump that and drink it right now. Yes, sir. I'm good. You, you understand I'm not going to let this go. Especially when you went to the airport and that bottle of water cost you $5. No, no, no. This is going to go with me on the plane. And, and here's the situation that we understand that God said, I will take you and all your baggage and I can clean you up. I can turn you around. I can place your feet on solid ground. I, I, I can put you on rocks that you'll never slip and fall. I, I can hold you up when the world is shaking to let you know I still got your back because I'm your God and I am good. So Jesus preaching and teaching reminds us of the faithfulness of God. And, the, and he reminds us that walking this earthly journey is not going to be easy. Tell your name, it's not going to be easy. I, 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 I want to help some people out that, that tell people that being a Christian is easy. We, we forgot some of the victories we have won. And since we become good veterans, anybody here, you understand what I'm saying? You become a good veteran, you forgot how hard it was when you first gave your life to Christ. Since you've been walking a long time, some things don't mess with you like they used to in the past. But you've got to remind yourself that it's only by His grace. And his mercy, you will have some of these issues that you used to have. And so that's why we got to humble ourselves and come down to somebody and say, I've been where you are. But yet with Jesus, both of us can make it. To make it to where he wants us to be. I, I know we're here for right now, but hold on, child, just for a little while longer. Because he's coming back again. And, and when he comes back again, all our troubles will be over. But we got to walk this earthly journey. But yet here's a situation, though, that will be never left. We'll be never forgotten because in Jesus' presence there is power. The preaching of Jesus' word results in lives being changed. The preaching of Christ brings power and attracts power. The words of Christ bring forth healing. Again, notice what he tells the, the disciples to go back and tell John. He tells them, tell them what you have seen and what you have heard. Y'all see that there? So, can we talk about what he said they have seen and what they have heard? Just dealing with the Gospel of Matthew. No particular order. Uh, well, I'm sorry. No order in the Matthew text, but in the order how Christ says it. First he says that, uh, tell them that the blind see. Address, Matthew 9, chapter, verses 29 to 30. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened. And they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. Again, Jesus is preaching and teaching. Master, can we have sight? Because of your faith, it will happen. His word told them it will happen. And then what? Their eyes opened. It was in the word. Jesus' words makes a paralyzed man to walk. Address, Matthew 8, chapter, verse 13. Then Jesus said to the Roman officers, go back home. Because you believed it has happened, and the young servant was healed that same hour. Some of y'all might be familiar with the story. That's the one that says that I'm not worthy for you to come to my house and say the word, and my servant shall be healed. The text tells us that as soon as he says he's healed, he says at that very moment, at that very hour, when he got back, he found out his servant was healed. Mm. 
He made the blind to see, the paralyzed to walk. Jesus cleans leprosy. Address Matthew 8, chapter, verse 3. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Again, in his word, healing took place. Jesus makes the deaf hear and to speak. Address Matthew 9, verse 32. When they left, a demon-possessed man who could not speak was brought to Jesus. And he healed him and made him to speak. Jesus raised the dead to life. Address Matthew 9, 23, 26. When Jesus arrived at the officials' home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. So, I was saying, just dealing with Matthew. So, notice we're in the, the 11th chapter, right? All those happened previously. The message is going out. John is hearing all these good news. Is he the one or should we expect another one? Let me confirm what John already believes, but he just needed some assurance. Go and tell what they have seen and what you have heard. The blind have received their sight. The lame are able to walk. <laughs> the deaf are able to hear. The leprosy are cleansed. And the dead are being raised. Can you, anybody here, testify what you have seen or what you have heard in your own life? What God is doing in your life? You may have been blind, but now you see. That's why we like that song, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me. We understand we were dead, spiritually dead, but now through Christ we've been born again and we're alive in his power. We got joy knowing that God is still able to do exceedingly above, beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine. So think about the good news and the joy we have. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He will give us joy just to be in his presence. He has come to reunite us so that we can be in his presence forever and evermore. He has come to deliver us from the bondage of sin, the pain of this earth, and death itself. But yet we're excited today that there is freedom in his presence. There's joy in his presence. And we find joy knowing that he is our God. That's why I close with reflecting on Jude 24, 25. <laughs> Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him alone who is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the presence and beyond time. Amen. That's the New Living Translation. Some of you understand now unto him. 
who is able to present you <laughs> for his glory with exceedingly joy. Aren't you glad? I want you to understand that he gets joy just to present you to himself. And you're going to get joy just to be in his presence. Hallelujah. And so the joy of the presence of the Lord is our strength. By having his word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against him gives us joy. By knowing that I still have Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, I still have joy. To know that no matter what weapon may form against me, it won't prosper, I still have joy. To know that one of these days, I might be buried and rolled down an aisle, laid in front of a church, I still got joy. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My Bible reminds me that there's no pain with Him. There's no more death with Him. There's nothing but joy, peace, and happiness and there's no need for a sun nor a moon good God from Zion because God himself will be our light and Jesus will be my lamp I'm glad today to know there's joy in his presence we get excited knowing that he's coming back again and so while we're on this earthly journey the world is going to get dark around us but yet we got light in Jesus he is the light of the world Anybody here ain't been in the darkness before? Keep going towards the light. Keep going towards the light. And you're going to make it. I close with this story. Story goes, there's two mice. Two mice. One in darkness, one in light. Place in a gallon of milk. The one in darkness swam for a little while. And then it gave up. Because it was in darkness, it had no hope, no excitement of joy of thinking, I'm going to make it out. But the other mouse kept on going for 24 hours. That when they came by to check, the milk became butter, the mouse was out. It kept on turning that milk, turning that milk. They got up and they looked and realized why the mouse got up because the mouse had joy of anticipation that if I keep on, Going towards the light, <laughs> I think I might get out. So don't give up. Keep on pressing. The light is coming our direction. He's going to bring us out whatever mess we're in. He is able to cleanse us. Good God from Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, you ought to testify that I got the light. He's still my joy. No matter how the world is crashing around me, as long as I got King Jesus, everything it's going to be all right. I'm sorry, y'all. I just got excited. That's all by myself. <laughs> to know that I still have joy. Father, Lord, we just surrender to you. Realizing, Lord, that we try to make it on our own. But, Lord, we can't make it without you. Search our hearts. Search our minds. Right here in this place. Remove those things that have clouded our judgment. And made us doubt that we could ever make it. But, Lord, remind us with your word, through your Holy Spirit, that you are our source, that you are our strength, and that you are our God. We welcome you, Lord, here in our hearts and our minds. Have thine own way, God. Have thine own way, God. We surrender to you right here in this place.